How many of you love to go to stores where you can get samples to eat? You know, it's been a tough year, hasn't it? You go to Costco and no samples. It's just really hard. Now they've got like uh, samples, but they're covered, you know, so you, you just, all you can do is look at them. It's like, what in the world is going on, huh? Well, we're going to begin a series of uh, sampling the Psalms. We're going to look at uh, some of the Psalms. If you were uh, involved in our church in 2010, how many of you are here in 2010, huh? We did a little series uh, called Sampling the Psalms. Do, do any of you remember that? I didn't think so. You don't even remember what I spoke on last Sunday, do you? Uh, we did that, and we just took a few of the Psalms, and uh, I love the Psalms, and I'll tell you what, they really speak to us in our needs, right? Uh, they were written by many who, who went through challenges, but in the midst of it all, where did they find their hope? Wasn't looking inward, wasn't looking outward, wasn't looking backward, was looking upward, right? And that's what we see in this Psalm, Psalm 27, uh, one of my uh, favorite Psalms, uh, the title of our message today, I Will Not Fear, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek, that I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. And be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful psalm that tells us, encourages us to to focus on you, Lord. 
To recall to mind who you are, that you are our light, our salvation. You are the defense of our lives. And we don't need to fear. So, Father, I pray that you would guide us into your truth. We believe that your word is everlasting truth. I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chuck Swindoll tells about a college friend of his who worked on a construction crew, and they were building a hospital in Texas. <laughs> and this young man ended up working on the 12th story of that building, helping a welder weld the beams for the floor of the 12th story. Now, I don't know what... What you would think of being in that position, but this man was literally scared to death. But he didn't let anybody know. He thought he was going to, you know, he'll, he'll eventually uh, get used to being up there. And, and uh, one hot afternoon, the welder looked up at this young man who was literally shaking. And he said, are you scared, son? <laughs> and he responded by saying... <laughs> He was stuttering. He says, scared. He says, I've been trying to, to, to tell you for two weeks that I quit. He said, <laughs> he, he had had absolutely enough. Uh, his fear had just overwhelmed him. Now, I don't know if you've ever been that scared. Ever been so scared that you were literally shaking? That happened to me one time. I was literally shaking. I could hardly speak. And I'm not going to tell you this story now. I told you one other time. But... I my my I felt like I was gonna just my legs were gonna buckle. I was I was so so scared. So maybe you've never been that scared, but if we're honest, don't we all have some things that we fear? And I suppose the list could. I mean, if we uh, had all of us say, "What do we fear?" That that list could probably be fairly long. Maybe we're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of death, afraid of people, uh, afraid of public speaking, afraid of being misunderstood, being rejected, being criticized. There are many things that can cause people to fear. And sometimes fear can be so strong, it can have such a grip on someone that it becomes irrational and paralyzing. So how do we deal with fear? What do we do when we're facing the fears that, that come our way on a, maybe a daily basis or at least a regular basis? Well, David in this psalm, I think, gives us some good, good instruction. And it's not something you've never heard before, okay? I'm reminding you of things you know. Okay? And that's what we need. You know, sometimes people are coming up with some new insight, some new teaching that has never been heard before. That's a red flag. <laughs> we need to be reminded of the things we know. In fact, Peter says that. I'm going to stir up your mind by way of remembrance, even though you know these things. So there's nothing new here in the sense that you're going to have some new insight you've never heard before, but some basic truths of how do we deal with fear? Okay, first of all, in times of fear, we need to focus on the Lord. 
Notice how David begins this psalm where he ought to begin a psalm about fear by focusing on the Lord. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? It is always good to recall who the Lord is. Isn't that? Always good to recall who the Lord is because it helps us to put our circumstances in perspective. If you have a small God, you've got big problems, right? But if you've got a big God, it puts your problems into perspective. And so we need to recall who is this God that we love and serve. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So David asked that question twice. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I dread? In light of the fact of who God is, whom shall I fear? What answer is he expecting us to give? If the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? What's the answer? No one. If the Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? No one. Or David could have asked, what shall I fear? Or what shall I dread? And what would the answer be if the Lord is my light and my salvation? Nothing. That's the answer that he's expecting as he asks these questions. So when we recall to mind who the Lord is, it puts into perspective the circumstances we are facing. So you've got to start there. Who is this Lord that we serve? Then David goes on to describe what the Lord has done. And he could have described what God has done for the people of Israel. He could have recounted their history. And he does that in many of the Psalms, right? He, he goes back and recounts all that God has done in the Exodus and in the wilderness and in entering the promised land, uh, the, the history of his people. He doesn't do that here. He recalls here what God had done for him. This is a personal testimony. It's almost like if we were to take David's diary or his journal and start reading what he wrote. Any of you have a diary? Do you let people read it? Or a journal? Do you let people read it? That's what we're doing here. We're, we're, we're getting a glimpse into his own personal life. So verse 2, he says, When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries... And my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Now notice he's using the plural here, right? It's not just, you know, I had this enemy one time or this adversary one time. He is using the plural. Evildoers, adversaries, enemies. It wasn't just one time and it was very significant trouble because he said they came to devour my flesh. What does that mean? They wanted to kill me. That's the trouble he faced. 
Now, I don't know if I've ever had someone who wanted to kill me. I don't know, maybe out in the basketball floor or something. I don't know, but have you ever been in a case like that where you knew that someone was out to kill you? I haven't. So imagine putting yourself in David's shoes where he had multiple people who wanted to kill him. And he said they stumbled and fell. Why? God was the defense of my life. God is my light and my salvation. And we know of some of those who were trying to kill him, right? Saul tried to pin him to the wall twice with a spear. We think of Absalom, who was out to kill David and take over the throne. Many others tried and failed. And you know what they all discovered? They all discovered that God knows how to protect his people. God knows how to protect His people. Until the day that the Lord calls me home and you home, He is going to keep you alive, protect you from whatever comes your way until it's time where He says, come on home. That's the God that we serve. And if you read what David goes on to say in this psalm, you can see what a difference that made in his life as he thought of future battles that were... Should we say sure to come? At least likely to come. In verse 3, he says, Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Verse 5, For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle, in the secret place of his tent. He will hide me. And then He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies all around me. They hadn't gone. And I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? In spite of all that He was facing, He says, I'm just going to praise the Lord. He is my light. He is my salvation. He is my defender. And in spite of all that's going on around me, the enemies are still around me. I am going to praise the Lord. Huh? That is a wonderful way to live, isn't it? Living in praise to the Lord. One of these times was Absalom. And the third psalm describes Absalom. The superscription of that psalm says that when he was hiding from Absalom... And here's what he says, Psalm 3, O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. And many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. How foolish. They're saying, David, you are in such a mess that even God can't help you. So not only was he facing this difficult circumstances, his, well, you wouldn't call him his friends, but they're saying, you know, David, you, you are in such a mess now that even God can't help you. And David says, well, just, just wait a minute. In Psalm 3, verse 3, he said, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. Sounds like the defender, huh? My glory, the one who lifts up my head. He's already said that in Psalm 27. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and He answered me from His holy, holy mountain. And how about this? I laid down and slept. Could you sleep if you knew that there was people after you? (laughs) 
He said, I, I, I laid down and slept. I woke again. The Lord sustains me. And then he says in verse 6 of this psalm, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. I don't think he was exaggerating. Absalom had acquired a, a lot of people who were chasing him through the wilderness. And he said, no, I am not going to fear. God is my shield. God is my defender. God is my light, my salvation. And I trust that He's going to protect me. And you know why? Because David had a single focus in life. One thing, verse 4. One thing that I've asked from the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to meditate in His temple. The one thing he desired was what? To be in the presence of God. That's what he was seeking after. His eyes were focused in the right place, weren't they? Not here, not around me, not behind me, not the future. One thing that he desired. So he was able to get his eyes off of his problems and get his eyes on the Lord. Now we can do that while we are alone, but, but David was longing to do that in the fellowship of God's people, right? He says, I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to be there where I can behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to be there where I can meditate in His temple. I want to be there with the corporate gathering of the people of God because there is something special about gathering together as the body of Christ. The Christian life is more than Jesus and me. The Christian life is Jesus and we. Jesus and we, we are in this together. And so David longed for that. He didn't want to miss out on the gathering of the people of God. And we're encouraged in the New Testament, aren't we? To gather together, assembling together, encouraging one another. Hebrews 10.25 says, And all the more as you see the day Approaching, What is that day? The day when Jesus comes again. He says we need to encourage one another all the more. More than ever before. Because we see the day of Jesus coming again is approaching and those are going to be challenging days, brothers and sisters. And we're seeing it already in different ways. We need the congregation. We need the fellowship of God's people. And that's what David longed for. Oh, to be in the house of God, to meditate in His temple, and to behold the beauty of the Lord. Now again, that's not to say that we can't behold the beauty of the Lord in creation and, and in when we're driving down the road and we're listening to some good music and we're meditating on the Word. Those are also times of, of, of uh, beholding His beauty. As long as you keep your eyes on the traffic too. But when we gather together, there's something special, isn't there? Being with the people of God. Encouraging one another as you see the day approaching. So as we focus together on who the Lord is and what He has done, 
David said, you can live in confidence. Whom shall I fear? Noah. Whom shall I dread? Noah. The Lord is my, my defender. Notice, secondly, in times of fear, we also need to express what we need. So here's prayer, right? We need to express what we need. Because living in confidence does not mean that nothing will ever disturb us. That there will be nothing that will ever come our way that will cause us to say, whoa, wait a minute. This was David's experience. He, he didn't just sail through life without a, a single concern. There were many things, many times in his life when fear could have overwhelmed him. But he brought his needs to the Lord. Verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Be gracious to me and, and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, Lord, I, I seek you. And don't hide your face from me. Verse 9. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Don't abandon me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. So David isn't this, you know, this super saint who never had any concerns. There were times when he, he cried out to God and, and here it was. Lord, don't hide your face from me. He gives us a couple of things here that, that concerned him. One was a family concern. Verse 9, Do not abandon me, nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. And then there's quite an interesting phrase here. He says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me. Now, I don't know of any place in Scripture where that event is described. Though it certainly could have happened. It doesn't have to be recorded here. And this is why some translations translate it this way. Even if my father and mother forsake me, as it could be something that did happen, or even if it did happen. So it could have been something that actually happened, or... He could be saying, even if this happens, what confidence did he have? He said, the Lord will take me up. So, if this were to happen, that he was forsaken by family, he said, God would not forsake me. God will take hold of me. He will be a father to me. He will provide for me. I think of Isaiah chapter 49, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. And then the Lord says, Behold, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Now that's an interesting picture, isn't it? How many of you have ever written something on the palm of your hands? Don't forget milk on the way home. Or your wife will be mad. No. You know, we write things to remember them. We write them in, maybe in, in pencil is tough. You write it with pen or permanent marker. Huh? What happens? It, it fades away. God says, I have inscribed you. On the palm of my hands. And that word inscribed means to cut or to engrave. Which speaks of something that's permanent, right? 
Something that's permanent. And God says, behold, as if to say, look, look at my hands. I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Isn't that a great picture? Even if your mother forsake, even if your father, I will not. I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. I will not forget you. That's good to know, isn't it? Because sometimes people are forsaken by family. Especially those who have grown up in a situation where the Lord was not a part of their lives and they become a believer in Jesus and they're written off by family. I know the lady out in Cleveland, Ohio. She came to Christ during some special services and when she came home and told her husband, do you know what he said to her? He said, it's either Jesus or me. So pick. She told him, she said, Honey, I love you. And I don't want our marriage to end in divorce. But if you force me to choose between you and Jesus, she says, I, I, I have to choose Jesus. And that's what happened. He left her. But she testified in the midst of all that pain and suffering, Jesus picked me up, she said. Jesus was my help. Jesus took care of me. And that's what, what we read here in, in this passage. So there was a family concern there. And then David also had, as he often had, concern about his foes. Verse 11, Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. So this was no minor irritation in David's life. This was a huge issue. He said there are people that want to kill me. They're out to get me. But in the midst of that, in verse 13, he says that he believed that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That probably refers to this life that God was going to spare him, that God was going to defend him, and, and I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Some suggest it could refer to heaven because that is certainly the land of the living, right? <laughs> So either way, what is David saying? He's a winner. <laughs> a winner either way. And that is the hope of the Christian, right? If God spares us, great. We have more time with family and friends and so forth. If God takes us home, well, that's pretty good too, isn't it? <laughs> so He either spares us from death or He spares us through death, I would say that's a winner either way, wouldn't you? When you know Jesus, that's the way it is. So we focus on the Lord, and then we bring our needs to Him in prayer. This might be the most challenging one, especially for some of you impatient ones. In times of fear, we need to wait for God's answer. 
Notice how the psalm ends in this interesting way because David's troubles, from what I understand, had not yet been fully resolved. And there were still things that could have caused him to fear. And that's why we see his need to to wait for God's answer. The last verse of the psalm, he says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. How many of you love to wait? Boy, I'll tell you what, especially in this culture today, I feel sorry for you young people. We didn't have the internet when I was alive. Can you believe that? Then it was a dial-up. Oh, just to get one page of text load, you know, that thing is spinning and spinning and spinning. And finally, oh, there it is. That wasn't what I was looking for. Then you got to go to some... It was, yeah. We live in a culture that is, give it to me now. And so waiting... I feel sorry for young kids. It's probably harder for you. Waiting for God's answer, that can be a challenge. In times of fear, we often have no choice but to wait because we are asking God to do something that we can't do in ourselves, right? Situation where we're helpless. We bring our need to God and, and then wait. And as we wait, sometimes we feel as if God hasn't heard us. Ever felt that way? You prayed about something and there was no answer? Well, God, did you even hear me? Why don't you answer? Or if He has heard us, He's just decided to do nothing about it. So we wait. But during the times of waiting, and maybe you've discovered this as you look back on the experiences of life, but during the times of waiting, God is in the process of strengthening us. God is in the process of molding us. Maybe chipping away some things from our lives that need to be dealt with. He's strengthening us. I think of Isaiah 40, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, Why do you assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? (laughs) But I love this. Do you not know? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, He doesn't become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord, what? Will gain new strength. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So guess what? Waiting for God isn't wasted time. It is not wasted time. Because God is in the process of strengthening and molding and shaping us Developing character in us. And that's why David says, let your heart take courage. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. 
Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Now, I told you that this is a, a personal psalm, isn't it? It's, it's, it's he's describing his own life. So you come to verse 14 and it causes me to ask the question, who are you talking to? Because at the end of the psalm, he says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Who is he talking to? Well, he was not alone when he was out in the wilderness, right? He had his men with him. And so maybe he is saying it for their benefit. Okay, guys, this is not fun, but wait for God. Take courage in Him. Wait for the Lord. Or could it be that David is speaking to himself? Some of you do that, don't you? I think all of us do that. Maybe it's not spoken words, but we're having conversations with ourselves throughout the day. Uh, There was a, a lady that we knew years ago. Uh, she was uh, a card. She was quite a lady. Her name was Tekla. Can you guess that was finished? And you'd ask her, say, Tekla, how you doing? Oh, fat and sassy, but I have fun. Anywho, she says, anywho, whatever that meant. So she used to come to our house. And she never quite knew how to leave. Let's just put it that way. She would slap her hand on her leg and she'd say, Let's go, Hovala. Well, we learned it had to be at least three slaps before she actually got up. But she talked to herself. Let's go, Hovala. The psalmist did that. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? There he's, he's, he's talking to himself. Oh, my soul, what, what's going on? Then he says, oh, things will get better. No, he says, hope in God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his countenance. So maybe, you might think I'm weird about this, but that's not the first time. Maybe we just need to pause and have a little conversation with ourselves. Why are you fearful? Why are you worried? Is God unable to help you? Wait for Him. Look to Him. Trust in Him. Sometimes we just need to pause and take a breath and say, Okay, I need to see things from God's perspective because it's just like I'm trying to battle this on my own. I love this psalm. And it gives us such clear counsel, doesn't it? The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? No one. Keep your eyes on Him, right? Bring your needs to Him and wait for God to do His work in His time and in His way. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your work in those times of waiting, 
Most times when the circumstances just haven't seemed to change. Lord, you're in the process of molding and shaping us. And we wait upon you as our defender, our light, our salvation, the one who lifts our head, the one who hears our prayers. So, Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, O Lord, for all that you've done and for the grace and strength that you provide for us day by day. These things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.